the Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool reasserted themselves with a club record 9-0 win to kickstart their Premier League campaign against newly promoted Bournemouth, while Manchester City's goal-scoring machine Erling Haaland scored his first hat-trick for the club to key a comeback from 2-0 down against Crystal Palace. Chelsea and Arsenal overcame initial setbacks against lesser opposition to each win 2-1 at home, as the first slate of midweek league fixtures is coming up due to this season's condensed schedule for November's World Cup. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast, episode 369. Giggity. We uh, yeah, are Javier. top the league. We are top the league. We Four games in. Top the league. Four games in, Javier. Go, you know the rules. No Four looking at the league wins. table. No, no looking at the league table until right, at least right. 10 games in. And even then, I'd still make fun of you. Uh, but yeah, congratulations. You uh, you beat Fulham 2-1. We'll, uh, we'll come to that. We'll come to that soon enough. Uh, first of all, how was, how was your weekend outside of the Arsenal win, Javier? It was good. We uh, spent some time in D.C. this last week, so uh, you know, got some got some city time in. Over the weekend, it better have been over the weekend when I was out of town. Because if was. you're in the city, it while... was it was okay, over good. Because if you're in the city during the week while I'm here and you don't hit me up, then that's that's no, no, no. you're calling for blows there, Javier. Right. You're, uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I'll give you I'll give you that one because I was away this weekend for. Uh, uh, Avid listener of the pod, good friend of mine. Shout out to Will, Will Demore. Got married this weekend. Had a lovely old time with yeah, him. Yeah, and, shout uh, out Will, listener of the pod. Shout out to Will. Shout out to Emma, his uh, his lovely wife. Uh, yeah, a truly brilliant weekend for myself and uh, all, all of our friend group. So oh, great to hear. Uh, and and hear of course, thank you, Javier. Let, let me take a quick aside to add to the shout out to Will Demore. This guy is out here during his wedding weekend. Telling his friends from like high school and back home to listen to the pod. He is plugging the pod for us, so I don't have to be that guy who's like, "Hey, you guys want to listen to my podcast?" Like, shout out to Wildemore. You are uh, truly a, a goat listener. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, assuming you're you're not otherwise busy, which I would completely understand. Uh, we watched uh, a lot of football together on Saturday. Myself and uh, Will. We were watching that 10 a.m. slate of games. Uh, we had the Brighton Leeds game on the, the big 82 inch screen that they had at this uh, Airbnb. And then on a laptop, we had uh, the Liverpool game, who, as I mentioned already, they won 9 0. Every time we looked back at that screen, there was another goal going in. We like we couldn't believe what the hell was going on in that one. I know it's Bournemouth. I know they're newly promoted. But, you know, give give the people uh, a, a bit of a, of a, I don't know, an in here as to why this is so crazy. It's, this only happened, what, like three times before? Yeah. Like in the Premier is, League this era? This is the, the tied for the record in the Premier League era for the biggest win, uh, you know, the biggest margin, nine nine goals. It's, I, I mean, we played them last week and we could have had five or six, you know, so it's not surprising that, and that was away from home. So at home, at Anfield, this is the toughest home venue in the Premier League you know, the toughest environment that, you know, I don't think any of these Bournemouth players are, are used to going to a place like that. So it doesn't really excuse the 9-0, but I think it's it's symbolic in two ways. It, it shows that Liverpool are, you know, despite their starting kind of rough only two points from their first three games, you know, that they're, they're still going to be in it 
till the end. You know, they're, they're a team that can put nine past somebody. You know, there's not 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 many teams in the league that could do something like that. So it's it's kind of I was I was thinking I was thinking coming into this game like Bournemouth have to be more pissed off than anyone uh, about that Liverpool loss at Man United last weekend because you know now it was so obvious going into this game Liverpool didn't have a win in the first three games of the season. They're playing a newly promoted team. There was always going to be a reaction and. I don't think anyone would have guessed nine nil, but it's not that surprising. Like looking back on it, like Liverpool were, they were never going to draw or drop any kind of points uh, again in this fourth game. Um, somehow, I captained Mohamed Salah, and he did not even have an involvement in any of the yeah, goals. So did he I, missed Alex. like he we missed like two owners. sitters. Ugh, it's uh, it's rough out here, but I'm sure Liverpool fans are are, are pleased. There's not much like breakdown to do on this one. It's, yeah, and Bournemouth like are getting relegated. I mean, they're losing nine nil like the fourth week of the season. It's just that's all downhill for them. I mean, they've got to make some buys in the last three days of the window, or or they're they're just 100 percent going down. Very true. Uh, just don't the, every other team I would say up till this point that we've seen has showed some sort of like potential or reason to be in the Premier League, except for Bournemouth. Well, they had the 2-0 win against Villa, which I, I think if you told us before the season started that this opening four-game run that we you know mentioned how tough it was going to be for Bournemouth, if they were going to win that Aston Villa game, that was the best case scenario. So, you know, the 9-0, the, the you never want to lose 9-0. But of those opening four games, they got the one win against Villa and then lost to the three teams that are clearly leaps and bounds ahead of them. So they've got that out of the way. They've got away Manchester City and away Liverpool out of the way early, and they got a game against Arsenal out of the way. And yeah, they got absolutely hammered in all of those, but I don't know. I'm sure that, I'm sure they won't be too low, and they'll be thinking to themselves, that's the worst of it out of the way. Uh, I, I do want to give a quick shout-out to Roberto Firmino, because, I mean, I, I thought his Liverpool career was pretty much dead and buried, but, you know, he had a brace in this game reached a hundred goals for Liverpool for his career. And he had a hat trick of assists. So that's the player I should have captained in fantasy, but uh, yeah. So just shout out to him. You know, they had, they had the void to that void to fill with Darwin Nunes uh, still suspended. Um, but Firmino came in and him and Luis Diaz were both amazing. Both had braces. Their uh, two young midfielders, Harvey Elliott and uh, Fabio Carvalho got uh, their first goals for Liverpool. So I'm sure Liverpool fans are very pleased with that one. What one do you want to move on to next? We want to hit on uh, Manchester United. I guess there's something yeah. to talk about there. I mean, I think it was a continuation of what we talked about last week. They started the exact same lineup that they started the week before. No Ronaldo, no Maguire. And it worked in, in a similar way. You know, they were compact. Um, you know, they were pressing high up the field. They were trying to keep possession and create chances and and you know the, there was a lot of kinks still there was still a lot of you know misplaced passes there was a lot of back and forth passing between the center backs but at least like Cassandra Martinez and Varane were able to hold the ball and weren't you know really losing the ball in, in dangerous places and, and letting Southampton get in I think it was it was a good defensive performance I think this is the type of performance that we haven't really seen for Manchester United in a while you know, going out to an away team. I mean, they hadn't won away in like six months or something in the Premier League. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, it had been a really, really long time, and they'd been on an awful run. And I mean, Southampton did have some chances in this. They, you know, Che Adams 
got got in 1v1 with De Gea and fluffed his line a couple of times, you know. De Gea made some good saves. It, it, you know, this was this was not a easy game for Manchester United. They had to work hard, but it's it, it must be like bringing confidence to the players that uh that there's something there for Ten Hag and and what he's doing right now and that there's going to be a future for Manchester United. So big big like back-to-back wins now that a little bit of momentum going for Manchester United. Yeah, even without that uh, that winner, I thought Bruno Fernandez's performance was very good. He looks much more assured on the ball now, especially retaining possession because it, it felt like it, it felt like for a few months there, it, even in those first like two games of the season, like he was trying to do too much. Like he was trying to put all of the responsibility, the creative responsibility, the goal scoring responsibility, all on himself to try and like drag Manchester United through these games and it was just backfiring and you know deteriorating the, the overall team performance instead of you know boosting it uh, but in this game he seemed much more comfortable that uh, I'm sure they'll get even better with Casemiro eventually coming in uh, and re- replacing McTominay but even without him it, there's a couple of you know better performances for Bruno Fernandes in these last games and He's going to be absolutely like pivotal still, even with the new signings to turning this around for Manchester United. Uh, so yeah, they got that one nil win against Southampton to start things out. Uh, Casemiro early on made his debut in this 80th minute. 80th minute, you know, the, the beginning of the Casemiro right. era. Let's see how uh, I'm sure he'll be starting sooner rather than later because McTominay's just he's just a butcher. He's just a hack. That guy should be sent off every game, but. Um, I'm sure at some point it's going to be, you know, Ericsson, Fernandez, and Casemiro in midfield, which is pretty fucking good on paper. Yeah, that's not bad at all. That'll, that'll get them through games like that Southampton one. Uh, let's move on to Manchester City, I, I think, needs to be next. I, I probably should have jumped there right after Liverpool, but Manchester City, once again, at home, found themselves 2-0 down to Crystal Palace for the second season in a row. And where last season they ended up losing 2-0 and being very much the second best team, in the second half this year, they came roaring back with uh, a goal from Bernardo Silva in the 53rd minute and then a hat-trick from uh, Erling Haaland. In about 20 minutes, he scored a hat-trick to make to flip the game on its head and win it 4-2. I mean, we've, we've called him a machine many times before, but like this was the first of many machine-like goal-scoring performances from Holland that I'm expecting to see. Like, the third goal especially, where uh, the ball slipped through to him from, I think, uh, Gundogan. And uh, is it Danny Ward, the, uh, the, the the right back for them? What's the, uh, for Crystal Palace, Ward? Do you remember his name? Danny Ward is the, the Leicester goalkeeper. I'm trying to remember what the uh, right back for Joel Crystal Ward. Palace Joel Ward, that's it. Joel Ward just bounced off of Holland when he tried to challenge him. Holland just shrugged him off and then just rocketed it uh, to complete his hat trick. He's a machine. I just have to confirm it. He's an absolute machine. Uh, they, they may have kept him quiet like for the first half, but he is inevitable. Frankly, I was just laughing at especially that third goal because it kind of like eases the pressure on every team like around them because... There's no chance. There's not like nothing we can do to overcome this. It's like just enjoy it, enjoy the good football, enjoy the beautiful goals that he scores, and you know we'll all get, we'll, we'll we'll all fight over second place. How about that? That's that's what's gonna it's gonna come down to. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna come down to to just fighting over second place. But yeah, this was this is a great performance from Manchester City because, like you said, they had to come come 
away with, you know, two nil down at halftime. The one thing I'll say is Holland did have a high boot on, uh, I think it was Anderson, where he right, like, yeah, clobbered he him in the that. head with his cleats. And Anderson was not real particularly, didn't really have his head like lean down or anything. It was just like really, really high. Yeah, boot. he did. Usually, he, he leaned his head down to head it, but Holland put his leg up to. I don't think there was anything malicious, but I mean, I. It, it, it looked like it should have at least had a yellow, if not a red, a red card. So, uh, another thing that I missed uh, the first time, but Pretty saw later in the Holland highlights, was that yeah. Crystal Palace should have been three nil up. They should have. There was some bullshit when, uh, that happened with Ederson. Ederson went to roll the ball out that to one of his defenders. That was very I don't know why that why that was chalked off. And was I think it was Edward caught it with his foot, deflected it to. Ayu and Jordan Ayu scored from that, but they they overturned it because they said that Ederson hadn't released the ball fully from his hand yet. I couldn't tell from any of the like the angles of it, so I guess they just went with like what the referee called on the field, which was no goal. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it looked it looked like a good goal to me. It, it looked like you know somewhat similar to the Carius Benzema Champions League final uh, one from four or five years ago, where Benzema just you know got his foot on one that Carrius tried to roll out and then and then scored it. But, I mean, even then, I still feel like Manchester City could have come back from that. Like, we've just seen it so many times now in big moments. You know, the uh, Aston Villa one to, to win the league title last season. And then it, it was like 2-0 was nothing to them. 3-1 last weekend, they were down against Newcastle, came back from that yeah, to get just, a draw. I mean, they just have insane depth, too. They can just bring on play more players to change the game. Even their youngsters from their youth team still have an effect. You know, they've, they've all been playing with Guardiola. And I don't know. This, uh, like you said, this, this City team is, is inevitable and, and just too much quality to uh, to not win the league. We, we had Foden finally picking out uh, Holland for a goal this time that 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 ball was like perfect like uh, yeah I'm just I'm almost speechless about Erling Holland and you know that's gonna that's gonna make me move on because uh, uh, frankly I don't know if any other team's gonna ever win the league while he's still in the Premier League <laughs> so oh, that's remember uh, I was saying that to you uh, yeah you were I, ago, I gotta, Alex, and you were like no I gotta it's say, man, Chelsea football you were club. right Chelsea the, the only, well, here's the thing. Here. The only thing that g- would give me hope is if the injuries pick up again. But I almost don't want them to. Like, he's that good. You, you want to, to see him play he's more. He's, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very frustrating feeling. Like, the closest thing I can compare him to, actually, is Thierry Henry. Just the feeling that he gives you. Well, like, I know you wouldn't know this since you, you were on the, enj- the enjoyment end of the Thierry Henry performances. But frequently during that, like the peak Arsenal years, you'd be, you know, a fan of an opposition team hoping for Arsenal to drop points. Arsenal would be down like one nil or maybe it'd be one one. And you'd be, just be like, has Thierry Henry scored yet? Oh, no, he hasn't. Oh, OK, Arsenal are going to win. And then you'd maybe stop watching, go do something else and then just come back and see later. Thierry Henry scored in the 68th minute to secure a 2-1 win for Arsenal. And you're like, yeah, there it is. Just like inevitable basically the just two inevitable goal scorers uh yeah so really impressive uh comeback win for manchester city 4-2 over crystal palace uh let's jump to arsenal this is uh my pick for like best game of the weekend and it didn't disappoint arsenal came back from one nil down themselves to win 2-1 at home against fulham uh mitrovic opened the scoring when he mugged off gabriel 
uh, by stealing it from him just outside his own box. And uh, then Arsenal got an equalizer for Martin Odegaard and then an eventual winner by Gabriel, uh, making up for his mistake. So... Uh, yeah, I told you. I told you this was going to be a tough one, Javier. Like, Fulham are no slouches. You did. They're you not. Did say it was going to be a tough one. Uh, it really wasn't that tough. Um, I mean, it was tough because we went down one nil, but we it's absolutely... tough because they defend. They defend very solidly. Like yeah, even also... when you were on top of them in the first half, they just, still had a really destroyed good. Destroyed them in the unit. first half. We should have had three, two, three goals. I mean, it was Leno had one of those performances that he had for Arsenal, where there were just times where you know Leno completely saved the points for us and, and this it kind of felt like maybe it was going to be that type of day for Fulham at one point yeah but then you guys know Leno well enough that you just knew oh just just fire a ball in at the near post on a set piece and he'll he'll and fuck the amount up of times we'll that he's fucked that up for Arsenal where like right. he's tried to come out for a cross and missed it like that was always his biggest week like he's, he was amazing shot stopper like he stopped so many chances um you know from Gabriel Jesus that from Martin Odegaard, from um, I mean, he he really just got beaten by by himself and a deflection. Like he was he was brilliant on the day, but it it, it was the it was the, the the flailing for the cross that he always does when he on those crosses. And we'd been putting corners right at him all day. Finally, we had a corner that wasn't right at him, and lo and behold, Gabriel Gabriel's a knack for doing that, for messing something up. And then if he does, like he goes and scores and makes up for it. Dude, well, it uh, helps that it was like him and Saliba like attacking the ball at the, the near post, like your two biggest, most yeah, physical Saliba players. Saliba gets a goal last week for me and an assist in right, my fantasy the, team, Alex. Saliba, God. Did he get an assist for that winner? Yeah, he got an assist. Yeah, his, that, wow. was, that was off his head. <laughs> he had no idea about that. I don't think he came off his head. It came off his like chest or something because they were looking at handball. Uh, for that to like overturn it but yeah I mean impressive that you guys it's finally a a a moment for Arsenal where you guys had an initial setback and then you guys overcame it you know like most of the games so far you guys have just been steamrolling teams so it's a good sign not that you want that all the time but it's a good sign that you know you take the punch in the face and you get right back up and score twice yeah it would have been typical Arsenal to lose that game or even draw it or draw it right where like a game that we had dominated the whole time. So like you say, I mean, it's, it's a different feel now. Um, when we went down one nil, I really wasn't worried though. It was just kind of, it was like what you were talking about. It kind of felt inevitable that, uh, if we kept playing the way we'd been playing that entire time, I mean, we just, Fulham had had no chances up till that point. Ramsdale had, hadn't really touched the ball. You know, it was like that much of a domination and, they had been defending really well, like you said. Leno had been making saves, but it still felt like at some point we were going to get a breakthrough. So, and that feeling right now at the Emirates is we haven't had that in a long, long time. Like the atmosphere that we have right now, the like the the noise, the belief that we have behind the team. I mean, all of it's 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 making for uh, it's going to be a good season for us. And I think, like I think this team's going to win some silverware this year. You know, they're not going to win the league, um, but I think they they could win Europa League. Could you know make an FA Cup run? This is this is this is a very very good side. That results like this show that, and it's been crazy enough since uh, Arsenal have been gone down a goal in the in the first, second half of a game. They haven't we haven't won a game since 2013. Really, in the yeah. league. Yeah, in the league. So when we like in the second half, when we've gone down a goal, we've like drawn games, but we haven't won a game 
in wow, like that's, in nine years, right? We've just been like fuck. That's we've a just crumbled, right? Statistic for right. that period. We've of just Arsenal like history. crumbled. We've just crumbled when we've like conceded goals in the second half and like sometimes drawn games, but not you know gone gone on to win it. Well, so that's actually a, a pretty good segue. Are, are, are you happy to move on from Arsenal? Yeah, yeah. I don't have to talk too much. I mean, we're playing at Villa at home next week. I, I kind of expect another win. And in midweek on Wednesday. Yeah, sorry, you'll, you'll midweek on Wednesday. And I mean, I just I, I kind of expect another win there. And yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't I'm not going to be like like that hyped if we're we beat Villa at home. I, th- I think it's the game after United away where we might get our you know our, our first real big test of the season. Even though this, yeah, was, a bit, I, I, I this wanna, was a test. I wanna, I want to do the segue to, to Chelsea here because the reason I grouped those two together in the intro is because both teams, you know, there were, we didn't go behind in the Leicester game that we won on Saturday, but we did go down a man about 30 minutes in. And once that happened, as I was watching the game, it was Connor Gallagher who got a second yellow, two very naive uh, mistakes from Gallagher to get himself uh, two very well-earned yellow cards. There's, I don't think there's any sort of question that they were yellow cards or not. He deserved to be sent off. Uh, and, you know, having... Uh, Leicester are, are not a good team right now. They're playing terribly. But to go a man down, it's not so much about the opposition, but about what I've seen from Chelsea over recent years. What Usually when we've gone down a man, something like that, or gone a, a goal behind, it's some combination of bad things happening to us first we've capitulated a lot of times, especially at home. Our home record has not been good. I think we have like three wins in our last like eight home games. I was expecting much like when Arsenal went behind uh, against Fulham, I was like expecting, oh shit, everything's going to go wrong for them now. You know, they've made the first mistake, but both teams managed to turn it around at home and and win anyway. Uh, I don't know if you were watching the the Chelsea-Leicester game or if you were were focused on... uh, Man City Crystal Palace or the Liverpool game or something like that. Basically, did you watch this Chelsea game? No, uh, I mean I've I've watched extended highlights of it a couple of times now. Um, I mean I saw basically that you know after the red card, Chelsea still had some pretty good chances with Sterling. The you know th- there was a save made. He also hit the hit the post in a one v one. Um, and I mean Sterling, this was by far his best performance in a Chelsea shirt. And I'm sure if you guys had yep. had 11 men, Sterling could have probably had a hat trick in this game. He probably would have had more chances. Um, I think he could that, have had that a hat trick anyway. <laughs> that, that cross that Reese James had to for Sterling on the second goal. I mean that's just typical. That's what for he's brought in to players. do. Yeah, absolutely. Like typical Reese James delivery, and Raheem Sterling is just a tap in merchant from three yards out. I mean, the guy's always in those positions. So if you if you put crosses in the box like that, Raheem Sterling will be there. And uh, and you can call him a tap a tap in merchant. I don't take that badly because the player that he's basically replacing. Deflection. It looked nice, well, but it was just a huge deflection. Yeah, it was a deflection. Yeah. But again, you can take positives from that because not many Chelsea players have been willing to shoot from distance. So to have someone who's actually willing to do it and, you know, and take and take the chance from just outside the box or at least take a shot, like usually we're looking for like the perfect, like walk it into the net kind of goal. And he's willing to go for it from just outside the box. That's one thing. But the second thing, the second goal, when he's, you know, taps it in at the back post from a, a perfect Reese James cross the player he's replacing, Timo Werner, like Timo Werner, basically been playing on the left, the left side of that front three for the last two seasons. 
he would miss those kinds of tap-ins at the back post completely unmarked. He would miss those frequently. So I'll take a player that only scores tap-ins, you know, if there's going to be 15 of those this season, I'll, I'll take that all day. And he, he really, Raheem Sterling really deserved a goal, like deserves goals so far this season. He had one chalked off on for VAR uh, offside against Everton. He had one for offside against Leeds last week that would have opened the scoring, maybe changed that game. So for him I, to I finally come through and score is big. Right now, it still feels like he's the only real goal threat, consistent goal threat in the team. You know, he's the only player that's going to get 15 goals this year. But you need some, you need someone else who's going to get some sort of numbers like that too. So, well, that maybe may be Aubameyang. Aubameyang. We'll see. I, 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 have a feeling I, I haven't seen anything. My, uh, any I was, updates I was about having, that? I was having lunch with my family today. My dad pointed out to me that uh, Arsenal Chelsea. You know, Ar- Arsenal players that have gone to Chelsea have all done well, but Chelsea players that have gone to Arsenal have always been like trash and like just not been good, or you know, like Gallus and David Luiz so, and Willian and. and I, I've got a th- I've got a throwback for you that uh, <laughs> that is the opposite of that. Chelsea signed Emmanuel Petit in two thousand one. I was there for his debut. He started in midfield with Frank Lampard for his debut, and. He, he was like a legend for Arsenal in the 90s, played alongside Patrick Vieira. Those two played together in the France squad. Like we had signed Marcel Desailly from that France squad like a couple of years before, and he was excellent for us. So when we signed Emmanuel Petit, I was like, this is amazing. We've got like the France, France's best center back. France is like one of their midfielders. And he was awful for Chelsea. But yeah, you're right. Recent years, last like 20 years, most of them when they've come from Arsenal to Chelsea have been pretty good. Ashley Cole, Sask Fabregas, Olivier Giroud. Am I missing any? Can't really think of any any others, but no, those but are whatever. those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, what were we on? Uh, you you were saying Czech you don't think anyone else is? He was okay, like nowhere near as good as he was for us. So I don't know. I, I think that goes into your dad's column of like ones that were worse when they went to Arsenal from Chelsea. Obviously, William and David Luiz are part of that. William Gallas was still pretty good for you guys, I feel like. He's all right. Like, he was all right. He was like one of your better center backs. And then he started pouting and crying on the field. So, yeah, it was only a matter of time for that. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, you were saying Sterling's the only one that could get to 15 goals and needs, we need someone else. I, he, they, neither of these players have started well to the season in terms of goals and assists, but like Mason Mount and Kai Havertz, I think. Like they're Mason not, Mount Alex. had they're 12 not. You goals. You keep saying that, but they're not. Mason Mount had like 12 goals last season, maybe 13 getting 15 or 20 goals. Yeah. But you're you're saying we don't, I don't, we don't need them to get 15 to 20. We need them to get like 10 to 15. If they're getting eight, which Mason Mason Mount did last year. That's good for Mason, but like Kai should be getting 15 or more, but he's not, he's probably not good enough to do it in the Premier League. I'm still of the, I'm still of the mindset. Just keep giving them minutes and it will work out. I, I still think so. I think I, I'm not saying that Kai is a good enough player. I just think his goal scoring ability is is, also still in question in the Premier League. We haven't talked about him since it was uh, not made official, but almost made official. Chelsea, uh, well, Fabrizio Romano announced that Chelsea secured the signing of uh, Leicester centre back uh, Fafana. What's his first name again? Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, Wesley. Wesley Fafana. It's too many Fafanas, uh, but secured that signing Friday night, early Saturday morning. He wasn't available for this game, obviously. I'm, I'm sure Lester did that on purpose. You know, just waited till as 
last minute as possible so that we couldn't play him against them. Once he's introduced to the lineup at the presumably right center back spot that Reese James has been playing these last couple of weeks, that will move Reese James back to right wing back. Loftus cheek four point four mil Chelsea defender right there. I don't know if Wesley he's going to have offensive returns, but he might. 4. He's 4. very good mil, on the ball. So do you remember in nice. the game against you guys where he stole the ball off of someone and like dribbled through two players and then like yeah, took a yeah, shot yeah. on goal? He got you know, lucky. He's he's confident on the ball. I mean, he didn't get lucky. He didn't score. He just you know, but he made that for himself. Uh, he, he's he's pretty talented. I'm looking forward to it. But His mainly, I'm looking forward to Reese James so he's, being he's never back be at right wing back. Martinelli just took him, took his soul, and, and I mean, I, I said him. at the time, Javier, he was playing badly so that Leicester would stop starting him like they did for these last two games, and he could secure his move away no, to I'm Chelsea. Joking. I think so. I think that's going to be a, like a huge shining for Chelsea. Uh, to, well, I think it's like a world record fee for a defender. So uh, I don't know the the numbers yet, but it's it's just below the Harry Maguire price. And then there's add-ons that would probably take it past what they paid for for Harry Maguire. But the important thing is he didn't cost more than Harry Maguire, which is nice. What do we want to hit on next? Nottingham Forest, Tottenham. I didn't get to watch this one. I was uh, yeah, driving back from Philly one. today. I mean, this is this is now going to be Tottenham's mo. You know they they went to Nottingham Forest and kind of seeded possession, especially you know in in the back line and in the midfield and. and when they had the ball, they got in a low block and defended. And Harry Kane, I mean, the guy was kind of ominous, missed a penalty in this game. You know, Tottenham were good for the win. Didn't do very much in terms of, like, creative stuff. You need to give Dean Henderson some credit there. Harry Kane didn't miss the penalty. Dean Henderson saved that. That was a that was a great save. And he, he, he did that to uh, Declan Rice as well yeah, two Dean weeks Henderson, ago. Yeah, Dean Henderson's been, been fantastic for Nottingham Forest, but... You know, kept them in this. Let let a bunch of second half changes come on and and kind of maybe make the game nervy for Tottenham. But as soon as those changes came on, Harry Kane gets the second goal. Uh, Richarlison came on for Son in like the seventy fourth minute, and Richarlison came on and changed the game again for Tottenham. Just gave them that extra push. He puts the ball in for Kane and that curled assist with the outside of his right to curl it around like three defenders son, and put son, it right son, on Kane's head. You know, Son was so disappointed, was like pouting on the bench, but you know, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good for the first month of the season. He has no goals. He hasn't, you know, he's be, he's been marked a lot, but it just it doesn't feel like he fits in Antonio's Conte system that well. It feels like Richarlison does that's not true. Come on, he's just—he's we'll just not—he's just not. Yeah, he's just—he's on like, bad. Form he hasn't right reached now. top form yet, you know. So, but uh, you know, like Mason Mount hasn't started the season well, but I'm confident that he's going to pick time, it up and do Nottingham well again. Forest, I'm a little bit worried about that. Like the Steve Cook, Worrell, Scott McKenna back three, which it's just for me, it's still a championship back three. Those three, and while while I was impressed with players like Nico Williams again like Lewis O'Brien um you know that guy Harry Tofolo that they brought in there was good performances from you know Awonini and and Dennis when he came off the bench so th- there's going to be additions to this team this team's going to get better but just defensively I think they're always going to be kind of there to be had and they've been really open in pretty much all of their games they're good they're a good side going forward but defensively, I think they're going to they're ship a lot of goals this season. And I think that's what's going to always keep them like keep them in the relegation fight. The key player they were missing for this game today was uh, Musa Niakite, the center back they signed from Mainz uh, over the summer. He was sort of like the one defensive signing they made that 
was not a championship level player, like like you said, like McKenna, Cook, and Worrell, they're all Cook has played some Premier League minutes before for Bournemouth, but he he's, was never amazing. And, and just, yeah, he he, he was old four years ago, <laughs> like when he was playing for Bournemouth. So it, it makes sense why they struggled uh, defensively in this one. That first goal, especially, it was completely against the run of play. Nottingham Forest were all over Tottenham and then just one counterattack and boom, Harry Kane slots the, it in the, the corner and Henderson now. doesn't even this dive. This what Tottenham's going to do to you and... If they come to your your home, like there's going to be lots of frustrating results this season where they squeak out nil nils or one nil results away from home, and then you know they'll, they'll be more attacking and more adventurous at home. But this is what Antonio Conte can do. I mean, unbeaten start of the season for Tottenham. You know they're they've started as well as Arsenal and City, and they look good. You know they haven't played particularly well, but they're getting the results. And at one point, you know that they're going to start playing well. So it's going to start clicking, and that's when Tottenham are going to get scary. Now, who knows if they, you know, flare flare out in the middle of the season? Bunch of injuries happen. Who knows? You know, but as of right now, it's it's good times for Tottenham. You know, there's only up to go from here. Like they're not playing particularly well, but they're getting the results. And I kind of feel like they're at some point soon going to start playing well because. There's a lot of pressure coming from the bench now. There's a lot of depth, and that just pushes the rest of the team to keep playing well and, and to have a lot of, you know, always be looking over your shoulder, not knowing when you're going to be benched, makes you have to perform week in and week out. But now Champions League starting up, there's games every three days, you know, Premier League games, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, whatever, all this stuff, Europa. You know, so let's see what happens. Injuries are going to start coming, and uh, and for Arsenal, didn't mention it, but Zinchenko and Partey both picked up like small knocks on Friday, and then just didn't show up in the lineup in this, and and it affected us in, in this game too because they'd both been big parts of the of the first three games. So that was another like kind of like s- small blow at the beginning of the match, but still you know significant enough blow that it you know we were able to overcome that, which is is good. Really good. Same with like Chelsea getting a red card, being able to overcome that. You know, it's good signs for 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 both of the teams that this season we're going to be really hard to beat both of our teams. And even when we're not maybe not playing well, we can still get results. Yeah, and hopefully the the five substitutes kind kind of eases the uh, the fatigue factor. You know, I mean, what's really the difference between a player playing sixty minutes and being taken off, or a player playing 80 minutes and then being taken off? I don't know. But if there's an option for a player to make, make it easier for them to be brought on for a game... There, could be, you know, there like, could be less injuries. I think that's the one thing probably, you know, that... And that's what it was brought in for. Yeah, then, yeah. then I think there will be less injuries. Hopefully. That should bring us to these midweek games. Uh, like we've mentioned before, we're out of the uh, the previews business. We're, we're not doing any predictions. Screw that noise. But... Uh, there are games to, you know, at least mention. Crystal Palace Brentford at 2.30 on Tuesday. Fulham Brighton also at 2.30. Uh, Southampton sneaky, hosting sneaky Chelsea. London derbies. Both of those yeah. are like the uh, well, smaller well, Brighton's London not, derbies. Brighton's not a London derby. Brighton, Brighton's, isn't Brighton uh, London coast? The, no. The, the west no. coast of... It's an hour sorry, south of, coast of London. London. No, it's, it's south. Is this Javier's geography lesson again for the? No, week? no, no. I was just—I thought Brighton <laughs> was like part, like it's right, nice, is like considered part, of like, like. Would you like consider a Annapolis of part of Washington D.C.? All right, fair enough. No, <laughs> that—that's kind of like it's like forty-five minutes like south of London, you know. 
that, but weirdly Brighton do for some reason have like a Derby match with Crystal Palace. I, I again, that one has never been explained to me, but you know, they keep trying to make it out to be a thing. Uh, but yeah, those are those are two good early games on Tuesday. Uh, both starting at two thirty. Then two forty five. There's going to be Southampton hosting Chelsea and Leeds hosting Everton at three p.m. Uh, Wednesday is the busiest slate of fixtures at 2.30. We've got three games kicking off. Arsenal-Aston Villa, Bournemouth-Wolves, and Manchester City hosting Nottingham Forest. So it doesn't get any easier for Forest. And then at 2.45, we've got West Ham-Spurs and at 3 p.m. Liverpool-Newcastle before uh, Leicester play Man United on Thursday at 3 p.m. Which one of these jumps out to you? Uh, there's, I think West Ham Spurs. You know, West Ham get the, got their first win of the season um, at Villa. You know, and uh, they they generally they've looked good and haven't gotten the result. I mean, I think they were they were playing like a five at the back and Samaka Bowen. Samaka, no, yeah, it was basically Samaka Bowen, and then like Fornals was playing kind of like as a roaming ten. They were playing like a three, two, one, two almost. Um, and Emerson, you know, got his first start as soon coming into the team was not very good. Um, they had to re- you know replace him with Ben Rama and, and kind of go to a four three three because they were just really not good in that first half with the uh, with the five at the back. But as soon as they went to back to their you know to a four three three. They, they were much better in the second half, and I, th- I think West Ham are still going to be good this season. They just they didn't have a good start, um, but they have a lot of quality on the bench, a lot of players they can change up and bring into the team, and we haven't seen Jared Bowen really start getting off the... Like, Declan Rice was, still looked kind of rusty, um, was misplacing passes, but I'm excited to see him, see him, you know, see them after the getting a win, maybe get a little momentum. Hopefully they can, you know, put a stop onto Spurs. Uh, and the other one is Liverpool Newcastle. I mean, I think that one will be Newcastle have unbeaten still this season. You know that last minute crazy beautiful goal that uh, Saint Maximan had against Wolves. Um, this I weekend. still haven't seen it. I forgot to oh, watch the highlights like for that one. It's just like an amazing fucking volley into the bottom corner from the top of the box in the 89th minute. Like first time volley of top of the box, he just puts it in the bottom corner. The, the goalie couldn't even move. It was yeah, brilliant goal from him, and he's on uh, you know on fire right now. So. I think it's going to be great to watch him, you know, a big test for Liverpool coming off a 9-0 win, but uh, this is going to be a completely different animal. So let's see how they do against Newcastle. Do we know if Darwin Nunez will be back for this one? Kind of feels like this is the last game of the ban. Maybe not, though, because they, they count the game that you get red carded, right? So that would be one that he's missed two. So, yeah, he's probably back for this. Nope, he is suspended. He will be back uh, for next weekend's game. When uh, yeah, he'll be back for the uh, be the Merseyside derby, uh, the away game against Everton next Saturday is when he'll be back. Um, so yeah, w- without him, I mean, I just gave a shout out to Roberto Firmino. So hopefully for them, he can replicate that same performance against Bournemouth. But yeah, that's going to be a much tougher test. Newcastle seem predictably much improved defensively this season. So that's probably the standout game of the the, the week for me. Um, and a little, uh, I'm going to give it a little. Shout out to that Leicester-Manchester United game. Because obviously Leicester are now getting desperate. I'm assuming now that they've sold Fafana, they're going to use this influx of cash to get some signings done before the window closes on Wednesday. And yeah, maybe one or two of those signings can come in and, and help them, you know, maybe at least get a point against Manchester United. I think that should be one that United are 
don't they shouldn't overlook that one and be like focused on the game against Arsenal next weekend. They still very much need to continue racking up like wins in a row. Uh, so th- their confidence is high going into a much tougher test against Arsenal at home next weekend. So yeah, keep an eye out for all those games. It's going to be a good busy week in the Premier League. And uh, look for look for a pod from us. You know, probably either Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Uh, we'll we'll probably recap the uh, the games midweek as well. Do a, a short recap of that, and then a do you want to do a pod? The, I was going to uh, say maybe we should just do an uh, IG live. Just talk about like the standout results, like after they happen. Yeah, maybe and- we can do that. You know what? If you're listening, uh, if you've been listening to us for long enough now, you should know. Just go and follow the Instagram account at Ghost Goal Pod. Javier and I, or uh, me and a guest from uh, a fan of another team or something like that, we'll jump on the Instagram live periodically after big results to, to talk about those games and, you know, take questions from people. Even if you can't listen in live, we post it to the Instagram feed afterwards so you can go back and listen to it like you would with any other pod. So follow us on Instagram at Ghost Goal Pod, same on Twitter, at Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, you can follow Javier on Twitter, at JavierRev9. You can follow myself on Twitter and Instagram, at ASMoss92. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and drop a rating and review. Those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod, and we'd really appreciate it if you guys helped us grow this thing. Enjoy the games this midweek, guys. Keep an eye out for our reactions to those midweek results. And until next time, see you.